0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives.
1: A ministry of Calvary Mac.
0: Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we have a great connection with a special group at Calvary Mac, the Christian Writing Group. And through that, we've been able to connect with a whole bunch of women who are sharing their stories. And then also with that, maybe a little bit of what they're working on as authors. And tonight, I have another one of those special women. I have Tracy with me. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for being here. And would you...
1: Introduce yourself to the listeners before we do a full dive into your story. Thank you, Jessica, for having me on this podcast. My name is Tracy Heskett, and I currently am a freelance writer, writing a variety of things, Bible study materials, and some fiction and nonfiction as well, some assignment work, some pet project work on the side, and I just love being in this place in my life.
0: Well, as we have noted in previous episodes, most of the time our guests who become authors and who are writing in whatever capacity that may be, so much of that flows out of their own story and, and what they've been through and just sort of how they, how they got to this point. So let's rewind the tape and tell us a little bit about where you were born, where, how your life started, your early childhood years, and then we'll, we'll go from
1: there. Well, I loved what you said about God bringing us into this place, into where we are with our lives. And so just preparing for this, pondering my story was really enlightening because I feel like where I am now is a position of writing and working with God. And when I started to look back, I could really see that it's not something new. That's a theme that has been in my life. So it's nice to see what God not only is he doing now, but what he has done. I think you just
0: hit the nail on the head, especially when it comes to this story night podcast in that there, there really is a lot of value in looking back over our past and, and seeing where our story began and and where our story is currently. I and mean, obviously our stories aren't over as long as we're, you know, breathing on this earth, there, there's still more story to be written. But, but when we take that time and reflect and sort of go back, you can, you can start to see, oh my gosh, that's what God was doing. Or I I see him now in that chapter where maybe it was hard to see when you were living in that moment. So how did your your story
1: begin? I was born in California and the oldest of three girls. At that time, when California's birthday laws and when you started school, that really does have a bearing on my story because with those laws in place and with a fall birthday, I started kindergarten when I was four which means that I graduated from high school when I was 17. And so the summer that I was still 17, I was deciding what I was going to do next. I looked at two colleges with my parents and decided to go to the one in Oregon. So at 17, I was not only leaving home, I was moving away, quite a ways away, into a completely new surroundings. And so that has a bearing on my story in that I wouldn't let my children go anywhere when they were 17. (laughs) It
0: is amazing, especially for moms listening right now who have toddlers and preschoolers. And you just—I mean, it can—it can be very weighty to think, "Oh my gosh, the decisions I make right now are really going <laughs> to affect the trajectory of their stories." I mean, thankfully, we—we we have a, a God who can handle it all and <laughs> really lay those decisions at His feet. And—and and then I know your story kind of
1: takes a, a turn around middle school. Well, I would say that God brought me from darkness into His light, and, and the beginning of my life with Him was when I was in middle school. And within a year of that time, my family became, started to attend a different church, and that's when the Christian life really opened up for me and became a part of not only my life, but a much bigger part of our family's life with doing things in church, being more active in church. And because I'm a writer at heart, even at that young age, because I have already been writing for fun for a couple of years and writing school assignments for a couple of years, a journal was part of that time period where I could be writing what I was learning, what I was experiencing. And so that enthusiasm just continued. You know, when you're in that And and for some of our younger listeners, when you're in that part of your life, where you're high school and college age, and everything is so much more so. That's a quote from a book, something ever so much more so. I think that's Homer Price. But that's kind of the way it was. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of us when we first start the Christian life, when you're really excited about it all. And that's kind of where I was. And the journal was capturing that. And so when you were talking about looking back over our lives, We can look back and and kind of recapture some of what we had then. One of my favorite quotes, based on what you said at the very beginning, is that if we want to know what God is going to do tomorrow, we can look at what he did yesterday. And I have really realized the truth of that in the last few years.
0: I love the concept of journaling, and I think there really is so much value in that. However it looks, it doesn't have to sort of be exactly one way or the other, but it really does help us go back and reflect on the past. And it really reminds us that God has moved mountains before, and he can move them again. And he's been by your side before, and he'll be by your side again. And so as you were sort of now getting to that point of choosing a college, you mentioned, you know, that you were 17 whereas maybe the average student is 18 and that you had decided to go to Oregon. So let let's jump into your college life story as Tracy
1: moves to Oregon. Okay, so it was a small private college that I was attending in Oregon. The weather was different. I didn't know anybody there. The weather was rainy basically. And I was too busy to do as much writing. The English classes that I was taking were kind of above me, but still, I was writing. Through through all of that, there still is a little bit of writing in there. And in those first, in that first year, I did meet the person that I would marry, and we were attending a small Christian fellowship group together. At the end of that year, I wanted some Bible. And so I transferred to a small Bible college not too far away. And I was able to do that second year there and continue with taking some Bible classes, taking some music classes. And at the end of that year, I thought, wait, I'm running out of money. I don't want another student loan. <laughs> but I still wanted to be with the friends that I was meeting in Oregon. So I transferred to a community college to try to get enough credits to finish with something. And this is where I say going young, going making some of those decisions when we're young. We don't. We're not looking at the long-term big picture. We're just... At this moment, okay, I want to take some Bible, so I do that. At this moment, I'm running out of money, so I do this. By the end of that third year, I was engaged, and so I went home to prepare for a wedding. We got married. I had, I don't even think I had the two-year degree finished. So there's a little bit of hope here for people listening. You can always go back to school. I think I did it three or four times. <laughs> so it's definitely not a linear path. It does not have to be a linear path. It's harder this way, but it can be done. So we got married and we settled in Washington, because that's where he had a temporary job. We got married on a temporary job, moved to Washington on a temporary job. People, Young people do not always, like I said, as far as the thinking things true. And I was able to get some work also. And so within a couple of years, I had enough money saved up, I had some kind of a I knew a little bit more about where we were living, and I was able to go back to pick up enough credits and finish a two-year degree worked a couple more years, had enough money saved up, went back to finish the four-year degree. And by then we were starting to think about a family. So after I finished the four-year degree, then I worked for another year to save up some money so that we could have a family. (laughs) And I was willing to try this once. I was okay with the idea of an only. And my husband didn't want an only, but I said, well, we're going to do this one at a time. I mean, we're going to try this once. But God knew that that first child, whichever one was the first, shouldn't be an only child. And I think God knew that I wasn't going to do this again. So he gave me twins. That's why I say I don't know. I don't know which one was first. (laughs) To this day, I tell them the story and we all get a good laugh. One of them didn't want to be an only and the other one wanted to be triplets. And they got to be twins. And they are part of the God walking with me and the God part of the story, because they are definitely one of God's good gifts that keeps on giving. I was with one of them this morning. He was running a race. And But through all of this, as I was raising them and having a lot of fun raising them, there were other factors, of course. We don't live in a fairy tale, even though that's one of my favorite things to say is in my perfect world. But the world was not perfect. We had Pacific Northwest weather, which is gloomy and gray and rainy and those things. I had small children and there were a couple of really different personalities in the house and different dynamics. And so there were a lot of challenges and the dark weather and just the circumstances also made it seem darker. And so this is where God walking with me through the dark times that comes back into the story there. And I was trying to walk with him doing the best I could and even really trying to cling to him. One of my favorite verses is from Philippians, and I cannot quote it, but it's in chapter three about, we press on to take hold of that for which God has taken hold of us. And probably at that part of my story, I was the one, you know, trying to just cling and hang on to. And then later, as I studied that verse, several years later, the part about that he has taken hold of us really stood out to me that, it's a two-way thing. You know, we might think that we're just really trying to grasp hold of his hand and, and, and hope that, hope and try not to let go. But at the same time, we don't realize how much he's holding on to us. So you've mentioned the darkness, actually both literally
0: and metaphorically for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. We know there are definitely plenty of of gray days. Uh, but, but there's also that that metaphorical darkness. And just wondering if you can sort of, you know, share what that looked like for you. I, I know so many listeners have had their own season of darkness and it, it may look a little different, but with the Story Night podcast, we were always sharing these stories that you, you whatever your darkness is, you're not alone and, and you may find yourself in, in Tracy's story. So for you, what did that, what was that metaphorical darkness going on?
1: It's kind of interesting the way you said that about that we find ourselves walking in darkness or living in darkness. I've had some conversations about that with my son. But in this case, in my case, it was those challenges and the darkness of being in a marriage just wasn't working, that we were going different directions. And some listeners might really identify with this. I've also talked with a friend about this, that we have these perceptions Especially as Christians, of this is the way it's supposed to be and this is the way it's supposed to look. And when it doesn't, that's a hard path to walk. And so that's what I was referring to. And in the process of walking through those difficulties and those challenges and a marriage that wasn't working, we did not put it back together. <laughs> so I became a single non-custodial mom through that process and the choices that each person made. Then the, the court's choice for us was that I had boys 30% of the time. That's a really tough place to be as a mom. And that first year, I could only find substitute work, teaching. By then, I had gone back to school again and gotten a teaching credential. So it was temporary, insufficient work. I was living month to month in the red. And it took 200 job applications before I found permanent work. And I thought with a teaching credential in hand that. My work would be full-time teaching in a public school classroom. I had it in my head, a third grade classroom, you know, this perfect picture. And we don't live a fairy tale life. But God provides a different kind of a castle. He gave me a teaching job in a private Christian school that was not in my hometown. I had a little commute and it was a place to heal and grow. And so through that time he walked with me. By providing the job, providing the income, providing healing, growth. And the really cool part about this story is that even though that's a tough place to be as a mom, there were only a couple of years that that was a really tough place to be as a mom. And that's more of the story. But where I am now and the relationship that I have with my boys now, my friends look on and say, wow, it's just amazing. Just amazing, and you just have an unbelievable relationship. So, to get from there to where I am now, after being single for a few years, I did remarry, and the person that I remarried is a professional negotiator by trade. So you can imagine, he stepped into this situation and held out an olive branch. He held out an olive branch to my ex. He negotiated twins in the back seat when we were on family trips. (laughs) And he would negotiate through conversations. And and he still is holding out all the branches, even now that the boys are married, and making sure that everyone in the family is at peace as much as possible. That verse from Romans, as much as possible, live at peace with all men and children and in-laws and outlaws and exes and all those people. And so he has really been an example for us how to do that. And also during this time period, the last... Several years, then I've in conversations with the boys because as they got older, they had questions. Why did this happen? What happened? Tell us more of the story. And so we've had plenty of opportunities to talk about there's two sides to the story. And so some of the details I've not shared with them, some I have shared with them of the situation or the circumstances have seemed right. But for them to look at different households, even when they were in high school, I told them this. I said, you're living one way at one house and you're living a different way at another house and you're going to your friend's houses and you're seeing another way of living, look at all of them, observe and decide how you want your life to live. How do you want to live? And we still have those conversations. One of these days, those conversations are going to be a book of mom lectures because we numbered them. We'd say, oh, this must be lecture number 600. So I'm really hoping that someday the mom lecture book will come, will come about.
0: I, I do too. I mean, and you're an author that that's a perfect next project at some point. I hope that listeners hear some hope in all of this because i I can just imagine how many moms may have had something similar where they find themselves with less than a hundred percent custody of their kids and and for a variety of different reasons and a variety of different feelings. I mean that that story can be written so many different ways, but to just sort of find yourself in that place where, likely most women don't expect to get there that's not what you sort of had planned that wasn't really how you you saw motherhood going and then all of a sudden you're facing this and you're facing the court and and maybe maybe it's just maybe it's unjust but are, now this is your reality and gosh what a gift to know that even with 30% the the relationship you were able to keep and now have with your boys it's just sort of like God can always fill in, fill in the rest. You can say, oh, look, God, all I'm getting is 30%. What can you do with that? If I, if I dedicate that to you, what can you do with this? It's not 100%, it's 30%. But I need you to multiply it <laughs> and
1: bless it. And he does. The one thing the court did give that I had was the permission to have daily phone calls. So I took advantage of that at that, at that moment in their lives when they were younger those daily phone calls were huge. And then as they got older and during the time frame that all of this was happening, technology was just, it was changing almost yearly. So I used whatever I had, phone calls, cell phones, email for a while, text for a while, personal visits if they were in college, taking a pizza half-baked and we finished baking it when we got at the other end. I used anything depending on what they were using that year. If the kids were into email that year because that's what their friends were doing or they were into Facebook when they were college, I guess, was when they were doing Facebook. Now they do more text. So now we do text. And I'm always in conversation with them about which method is best for you now. And so if it changes, two years ago, email was best. Now they say, no, mom text is best. So I'm just doing whatever works for them. And that's how God has multiplied it in our day and age. There's more than one way to stay in touch. And I've written letters. One year I did the 12 Days of Christmas in letters. Just all kinds of things, really being creative and taking advantage of everything. And the other thing that families can do is the praying grandmother. I'll tell you, my mom protected all three of us. (laughs) Truly, truly. So that's a huge part of it, too. Like you said, you know, that that even if there are things that we can't do, we can always have prayer in a situation. And so, coming back to God walking with me through all of this, and and then being remarried, another thing that happened in that situation was that because I was working and had a, had that permanent job, then at some point I was able to also go back to school again <laughs> to maintain a teaching credential. At some point in some states, you need a master's, and so I was able to do that. And again, my husband now he was willing to open that door, willing to look at spending the money for me to get the master's so that I could keep my teaching credential. And so I did, and I did it online. And that little piece is important because it led me to where I am now. After six or seven years in the classroom, I was also, by then I was also writing teacher resource books and writing curriculum materials. And so my husband said, both of these jobs are taking pretty much full time. Which one do you want? And so I was able to choose, and I chose to do the writing and the curriculum and the teacher resource. And And so now I'm in this place of being able to write. And how that ties into the family story is that the first year that we made that decision, the boys were seniors in high school. So their senior year of high school was my first year home doing freelance. And I could fill out the paperwork and research the colleges and help them think that process through. And it was nice with two of them being seniors. At some point, our world will get back to senior activities I don't know that if it'll be this year, but maybe by next year. And parents will be in that position of there's a, just a lot of things that need to be done in that senior year. And the fact that I had a more flexible schedule and was able to do that with the boys, I think that really helped. And then coming back to the good that comes out of some of these situations, when we moved them into a college dorm room, they had four parents moving them in. And that was a testimony after you know, that was the, one of the results of the olive branch. So a couple of the kids were like, who are all these grownups? And the boy said, they're all my parents. And all their parents were getting along. So that was a wonderful thing. And there's just been little things like that that have continued. Three years ago, all the parents were there for the birth of the first grandchild. That was before COVID, obviously, where you could have a waiting room full of relatives. (laughs) Those days are gone.
0: Well, let me ask something just sort of very practically, because... Because it is such a common story where there's a divorce, there's kids, you're, you know, you're raising kids, there's, they have two sets of parents. It's, it's so, so, so common. And I, I can imagine some people are listening going, well, that sounds great. That sounds like a nice little fairy tale. Uh, my life is not like that. And I, I know that didn't change for you overnight. But if anyone is listening going, is there anything I can do practically to, start moving our family in that direction so that at the day that the first grandchild is born or the day that there's a big event or something that everybody can be together and it's it's peaceful and it's and it's civil and it's it's just good
1: <laughs> i think we do a lot of setting things aside in the best interest of the children and then when you get home if you have to vent or if you have to you know in your own four walls i think i think there's some of that that goes on and And also, I mentioned my current husband, he just has some real negotiating skills. And so during that time period, when before the boys got married and left home, during that time period, as we were kind of rebuilding, like you're talking about, and doing some things peacefully, we even did a couple of holiday dinners, (laughs) a Christmas and an Easter. And again, it was, we think this would be good for the kids. We think we can do this. And they would be short time periods. I think probably we had a lot of different vehicles where there was always the freedom to, or we would set it up ahead of time. Okay, we're going to come for a couple of hours or something. I think we never tried to have it be something bigger or perfect or more than was reasonable or realistic. I I think the realistic expectations and going into it with the idea of the kids and the peace, or or like you said, trying to have peace I think the verse you
0: referenced earlier about, you know, whenever it's possible, live at peace with everybody is so applicable. And I, and I just love that it says when possible. (laughs) I I think we forget that sometimes and we think, Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be perfectly peaceful at all times. And if I'm not, I'm failing as a Christian. And we, we kind of hold ourselves to this standard. So Tracy, God has definitely provided and, and walked you you through so much and just kind of wanted to to sort of circle back to that and what he did in your story and and your relationship with him through it all, from the darkness to having light again and in and out of all of the metaphorical cloudy
1: days and sunny days. And I think you, yes, you said it, that the idea of walking with him and also, a word that has come out in our conversation today is that idea of God providing. And it might not always look the way we think it's going to look. And sometimes to see the provision, we look back to say, okay, what did he do last year? What can I expect that he will do this year? And the piece where that has really been applied in my life is this financial and working as a freelance author where there is not a steady paycheck, not a steady income. And so some years when I, even this year, I look out there and I think, in January, I look out and I say, okay, how much am I going to work this year? I look at last year and I look at the year before and I look at the year before that. I've been doing this now freelance only as, and as an author, people say, oh, what's your day job? Well, my day job is to write. My day job is an author and that's just a wonderful place to be. And I've been doing that now for probably 14 years which is a long time to have money fall from the sky, so to speak. But part of that process is that, and anybody can do this, even if their job is at the grocery store or whatever they're even just with your children, just raising your children, but whatever it is that in the morning, one of my part of my devotions would be okay. And I would ask God to give me the words to walk, to literally walk down the hall with me to write. And we were not writing Christian things when I was doing education writing. Writing teacher resource books, working for national education companies where you're not allowed to say the word God. This is We're talking public education. And I'll tell you what, God wrote that grammar book. I didn't. So if you think God's not interested in your grocery bill, he probably is. (laughs) And he's interested in helping your child with math homework or even grammar homework because I never knew that God could write a grammar book, but he can. And so he has helped me write so many things Uh, earlier in our conversation. Jessica had asked what what I've done with my writing, and I've written many, many teacher resource books. And I had fun writing a textbook early in that career and some fiction and nonfiction-leveled readers. And I'm really excited for the listeners who are interested in this piece of it that I'm – this summer – Launching a blog website, putting some of my materials, the things that landed on the cutting room floor, or that I went a different direction with an editor. And so I still have some material or material that I used in my own classroom. And so I'm this website and blog currently is called The Accidental Homeschooler. And it came out of a conversation with a homeschool mom who had her children in public school in 2019. And in 2020, Many districts were hybrid or online learning only or remote learning. And they tried all of that, whatever their district said, this is what we're doing this month. And she said it was for her, for her family, it was too inconsistent. And so they decided to go homeschool only for that school year to keep it consistent. And I spoke with her about a month ago. So at the end of this 2020 slash 2021 school year, the pandemic school year. I spoke with her at the end of the school year, and she has decided to homeschool next year. And she says, I never planned to be a homeschool parent. So based on our conversation and her encouragement to me to start that, the website is called The Accidental Homeschool. So if you're interested in some of the kinds of things that I've been doing, that's where you can find it. Also, I have another website, but they both are just tracyheskett.com or tracyheskett.org. And they will point to each other. One is a homeschool site. The other one is a site for other writing that I'm trying to do that's a little bit more Christian-based. I'm working on a project about active rest. How do we rest even with our daily lives? And that website has a blog that currently we're. I'm just kind of writing my way through Luke and listening to what does Jesus say. And a lot of the posts simply say, what did Jesus say? And we just look really quickly these posts are maybe 600 words long. We look really quickly at what did Jesus say in that passage? What were his words? And on that site, there's a tab for my first novel that's coming out at the end of this summer, which is not related to any of this other stuff. It's historical fiction. So I'm just one of those people that has about 100 interests, and I try to do them all. So for the listeners and the moms out there who say, how do I do all of this? There aren't any great, quick, easy answers to that, except that it's okay to keep trying. And I might do something for an hour a day and do something else for 20 minutes a day and where I'm kind of keeping my hand in everything that I want to be doing. So one of the things that I've done this past year to balance the pandemic news and political news and the all that other stuff, it just got to be too much. And I needed something else, a balance. So the balance is that I've been reading Randy Alcorn's book, which is titled Heaven. And it's a very academic 450 page book. But the chapters are short. So I could read a little section each night. And how that book fits into my story is that I said that I have all these things that I like to do and all these opportunities and all these directions that I could go. And it's not that any one of them is right or wrong. It's just all these things. And I think we all have that before us that we look at it. What might God do or what direction might I go? And we see all these different directions. And the exciting thing that that book has shown me is that we're not going to run out of time. If we have that hope of heaven and that hope of eternity Those things that we do with God, the things that we do as part of our worship to Him and part of our relationship with Him, we've got all kinds of time to do it. Because we'll just keep doing it. And that's what I really appreciate about that book, because I had never thought of that before. That the things that we're doing with God, we will continue to to be able to do those things. So it's even more exciting to have lots of hobbies and things that I like to do. And the thing that I'm enjoying about the blog as we go through Luke. And that's another part that I really enjoy in the here and the now. And that is even just a short little Bible study or a Bible reading like that. I love it when God sheds his light on his word. And so there we are back to the light and the darkness again. And I think that's the difference between people who are maybe just starting to investigate what does it mean to be a Christian, just starting to think about is this the direction that I want to go in my life or just beginning to seek God and people who are where we are having walked with him for a while. And the difference is right at the beginning, you think, I don't know if I can understand the Bible. I don't know if it's going to make any sense. And if we ask him, he will show us. And just literally, it's like, it's like somebody reading over your shoulder with a flashlight and you say, Oh, I, I never saw this before. So that part's really exciting to be able to just, Have him speak to us from his word, have him answer things from his word. And in conversations with the boys, even that comes up, they'll ask me questions. And I know for a while when they were in high school, I didn't know what to say, but some verse would come to mind and I could just put that into the conversation and have that be part of it that, okay, here's God's answer, or here's what God thinks about this or whatever. It's not necessarily, sometimes there's answers and sometimes there's not, like I said, sometimes all these options before us. None of them, it's not like one option is right and one is wrong. A or B, do I buy the blue car or the brown car? God's answer might be Q, get a bicycle. So we have a lot of really fun conversations like that. (laughs) Absolutely. You definitely
0: hit the nail on the head with how often we limit the options to two or three that we're just wrestling with. Like you said, door A or B? Well, no, Z. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But just being able to tune into that and listen, and we don't have to have all of the answers. He does. And it's and it's a privilege and honor that we can ask him for that. As we wrap up, that is something I was hoping that you would do for our listeners, just sort of uh, praying on their behalf for women who really identify whether they're like you and that they're a writer or that they're like you and that they have just a million different interests, or maybe have had a, a similar chapter in their story as to your story, that life took an unexpected turn or a marriage ended, or now they're trying to figure out how to, how to raise kids and navigate that with split custody and just sort of what does that look like and how do you get through that or having a second marriage and then a sort of a new chapter in your life. But for all those women, we would love to have you you pray over them that God would shine that flashlight into whatever darkness they may be living through
1: right now. Lord, we thank you for your willingness to walk with us through the dark times, and we thank you for your flashlight. I used it just a couple weeks ago. We thank you for the ability to come before you and ask you for guidance and for wisdom, even if we don't understand your answers, just knowing that you care about all the little details in our life. You care about math homework and grammar and broken cars and all the things that I've seen in my life and things that these people have also seen. And so we just pray that you would encourage the listeners with the hope that you are there, that you see them, you hear them, and you are there. And we thank you for all of your goodness to us. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing a little of your story and just some more about your writing. And ladies, as always, we'll have the links in the episode notes so that you can log on to those if you found yourself as an accidental homeschool mom as well, or if you're interested in, in checking out Luke or, or maybe just finding this novel when it comes out, if you'd like to purchase that. Uh, And read into that as well. So thank you again, Tracy. And thank you, Sandra, for leading the Christian Writers Group and sending us all of these lovely authors to join us on the podcast. And thank you, ladies who are listening for tuning in. And we hope you are blessed and that you join us again next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.